So here we go. Galatians 5, 19 through 26. And the word of God reads, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Here we are. This is where we left off. And they that are Christ woo, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. I want to talk to you today from the title, Killing Your Flesh. Killing Your Flesh. Amen? Amen. Now, most of the time, if you've been with me for some time, and some of the people online, you see me, I, I normally have a very systematic way of approaching the Word of God. I go line by line. But this particular chapter is interesting because Paul was kind of spouting off some things and, 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 and wanted us to understand terms as far as what some of those things mean. And I primarily preach out of the King James, even though sometimes I kind of float around and make sure I get the right you know, translation to you that makes sense to you. But my primary uh, translation is, is the King James, good old King James, like my daddy. Amen. But, uh, but, but here's the thing. Um, I've had to preach several topical sermons um, while trying to keep track of where I am and not wanting to leave anything out. <laughs> and just to make sure I didn't skip anything in this fifth chapter, there are two words, or rather two terms, two sins actually, that I did not get a chance to preach on. And I want to briefly, briefly, briefly touch on these two words and then flow into the rest of the remaining verses and hopefully finish out this chapter today. Are you with me? Amen. All right. First term, drunkenness. Drunkenness. Amen. Drunkenness. All right. So it says here, verse 21, envies, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like. Drunkenness is a term that's very familiar to the word that I taught you and exposited. Uh, it's called uh, witchcraft. All right? Witchcraft is a term that we preached on not too long ago. The sermon I called it bad medicine. Right? Remember? Witchcraft is, um, it speaks of, you know, uh, mainly alcohol that, at that time. And now, drugs and alcohol in this time, you know, where we are now. And I said that it's basically being under the spell of a substance, substance rather, that alters the mind to where you're not thinking rightly. Okay? Uh, drunkenness is where you uh, allow a, a spell. It's taking over your mind. You don't think like you should think. You don't think like you would think. Amen? You're under a spell. I, I told you that's why they call liquor stores. Uh, when you go there, they say we have spirits <laughs> for sale. <laughs> okay? <laughs> spirits. Okay? You're under the spell of some spirit. And witch, witches back in the day would use alcohol. Use, and today people use drugs and put people under spells to make them do things that they would never do 
if they were thinking correctly, right? All right, so, but drunkenness here is connected to the word revelings because Paul is just saying, he's just spouting off these terms. He said, drunkenness here is connected to the word revelings because it's pretty much reveling is partying, having a good time. And Paul wants us to know that these two things can tend to happen to go together. Don't we know that already? Right? Drunkenness refers to intoxication being caused by strong drink. Reveries uh, are riotous gatherings, entertainment accompanied by drunkenness. You go to the football game and you're like, my team, yeah! It's just out of control. Okay? Paul is saying that even churches in Galatia were struggling with this time because they were new Christians being brought into holiness and there were certain things they were used to doing. There was a problem when the saints would get together and what would happen is if someone would get together and they would introduce a drink, right? As an example of this, and I want to be very careful how I say this, at the old church, um, after service, people would get together on a Sunday afternoon, right? And the spirit of the gathering would be, you know, you know, we would all kind of just kind of get together and talk about the sermon, whatever have you, whatever have you. But then every now and then somebody would introduce some liquor. Oh, Jamie. And it would introduce liquor into the gathering, and then, and then the gathering would turn from a church gathering into somewhat of a party. It would just kind of morph. <laughs> David said, yep. And you would see the intoxicated or toxic versions of people. Toxic versions of your church members. They would show up, and they would be, now they were at the gathering. Okay, And you would see people do certain things and things that happened that should not have happened. Things were said that should, have not, been, that should not have been said. Well, what was happening? What they, did, they did some things the night before, you know, Sunday, and they wake up on Monday and don't even remember what they did or who they did it with. Because they're under a spell. It's not really who they are to be. Drunkenness. Revelings, out of control. Control is not exercised. Moderation is not exercised. There are things that happen. You know, it was not used. It was not done at this event. What happened? Well, here we go. The fruit of the Spirit wasn't present in the individuals, or the fruit of the Spirit is being ignored by those individuals. Some people yield to the Spirit. Some people ain't even got the spirit. Okay? They didn't have the spirit. They were in church, but didn't have the spirit. Okay? Galatians 5, 21. Stay there. Yeah. Envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you, as I've told you in the past, in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. This means, and as I said last week, this is your practice. This is your natural bent. You have a pattern of indulging in adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, murders, drunkenness, uh, revelings, and such like. Sexual sin, that's the category. Spiritual sin. You, you're into all kinds of spiritual stuff that you ain't supposed to be into, right? Drugs and alcohol, right? Uh, interpersonal relationship sins, right? You, you lack self-control in how you treat people, 
right? Okay, uh, like self-control in the presence of others. You, and what he's saying here is you have no inheritance with God. Yeah, there, is, there is those who do these things, um, they are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. What he's basically saying, saints, is that this is your natural pattern. Then you're in deep trouble with God. Deep, deep trouble with God. He wants us to take notice. Then Paul contrasts those sins with the character traits of the Holy Spirit so we can see that there's a difference, right? Just kind of reviewing this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. There's no law in the Old Testament. There's no law in the New Testament. There's no law with people who would disagree with practicing the fruit of the Spirit, being a person of love, being a person of patience. No one really comes against that, right? There's no law. Amen? All right. And then he says something rather interesting. No one disagrees with putting these virtues, these character traits from the Holy Spirit into practice. And then he makes this statement in verse 24, 524, Galatians 524. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. How is this done, Pastor? Before we go to the next verse, crucifying the flesh with its passions, before we go to the next verse, let's think about it. Think about what he's saying. Verse 24 again. And they that are Christ, underline that are. They that are Christ, that word means those that actually belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with the affections, the evil internal passions, and the lust. The things that we just want to keep doing or the things we desire to have, the things that we go after, the appetites. Thank you, Holy Spirit. All right, back up to 5.16. Same book, same chapter, Galatians 5.16. This is what he said earlier. We went over this. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, keeping 24 in mind and looking at 5.16, you'll see something that's rather interesting. Here in Galatians 5.16, just a few verses up, He's saying this is the command. This is what you do. The command is if you want to conquer the flesh, just go ahead and walk in the spirit. And you won't find yourself doing all that fleshly sinful stuff that you came from. Makes sense, right? But then... Verse 24 says, they that are Christ, they that belong to Christ. And in verse 25, hang with me, I'm going somewhere. Verse 25, Paul adds something that he wants us to contemplate. Something that he wants us to really think about. Huh? Something that he wants us to understand as far as when it comes to walking in the Spirit. Verse 25, if we live 
in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Very similar to 516, but there's a slight difference. That word if there means since. Since we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That word there, since we live, that word live is zeo. Zeo means there has been life that is imparted. Since life has been imparted to the believer. That word, zeo, is a compound word. Life imparted, live, life imparted. Also, it means it's another word for where we get our word biography. Woo-hoo. Life has been imparted. Another biography has been given. Ah. Since I have been given life from the Spirit... My new biography comes from the Spirit. I have new life in the Spirit because of what Christ has done. He died on the cross for my sins, promised me that the Comforter would come. He comes to live not on me, but actually in me. Amen. So he's saying, since life has been given to you, from the Spirit, this new biography is about to be written that comes from the Spirit. The life that's in the Spirit, let us display this new life in our daily decisions. I have life that comes from the Spirit, so the Spirit displays His life through me in my choices. Since I have the Spirit, Let me also walk in the Spirit. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. My part, our part as a church, is to allow this new life story that the Holy Spirit is about to write. (laughs) This new life story that the Holy Spirit has written for us, my part is to allow that to be seen in me. Are you hearing me? Don't put on display where you came from. Put on display where you are now. Are you hearing me? There is life that has been imparted, and there is a biography, a life story that goes along with that impartation of life. Now, hang with me. Galatians 5.25, same verse. Give me a different translation. Give me a living. Mm-hmm. New Living Translation. Since, what? Oh, since believers, church, say folks, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Now, I got something that I need to say to you. I got a chance to go back and listen because I was struggling with some things this week. And every now and then when I get get a little struggle, I I have another resource. And that resource is a whole catalog of preaching by my dad. And I just said, I just need to hear something. Put on something. And just by chance, some of the things he was saying fit right into, and I know that's the Holy Spirit, fit right into what I'm preaching. My dad said this. He said, this has been his struggle. 
In the latter part of his preaching, his pastor, and he said this, salvation, he said, I want the believers to understand this. Salvation is the very life of God injected into the very soul of men. I'm going to say that again. Salvation is the very life of God injected into the very soul of man. What are you saying, Pastor Jamie? Give me John 17 and 2. King James. John 17 and 2. Jesus is saying, glorify me, Father, with the glory I had from the beginning. You remember that? Right? And in the second verse, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, God has given Jesus power over all flesh that he, Jesus, should give eternal life. Underline that word, life. Very similar to the one we just looked at, but slightly different. Give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Jesus is saying, I have been given power over all flesh. (laughs) God has given Jesus power over all flesh that he should give eternal life, perpetual forever life. That is now, not Zeo, but Zoe life. Zoe life to all that God has given him. Zoe life is not just life in terms of duration. Zoe life is life in terms of quality. Did you hear that? Not so much lifespan, but life quality. You can have a whole lot of life and it can be miserable. Jesus didn't come to just give you life. He came to give you life more abundantly. Not just in heaven. Uh-oh. He's talking about a life quality. Quality of life. The Zoe life of God is not something that you get at the end of your life if you're a believer. The Zoe life is something that every believer possesses right now. You have it. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you are a true Christian, you possess the Zoe life. Every believer has this quality of life of God that has been already injected into the believer. When did it happen? At salvation. I repent of my sins. I trust in Jesus Christ. Here comes the Holy Spirit. He injects not just good things. He injects Jesus himself, the very life of Christ, the spirit of Christ into the believer. I know that's something that we understand mentally, but do we really take that in and really believe it? When you look in the mirror, who do you really see? Mm. Are you hearing me, believers? This life has been injected to you, into you. God the Father gave Jesus power over all flesh. And Jesus gives every believer power over their own flesh. Are you hearing me? The life of Christ is in you right now. Now, I know I didn't tell you you're going to get a brand new husband and a new car. 
But if you really understood the ramifications of what I just said, you'd be... That would blow you away. Why? Because Jesus Christ, he's in me, he's in me. Yeah, I know we understand that mentally, but do we actually really believe that? Uh, So, walking in the Spirit is a command. How do I deal with my flesh? Walk in the Spirit. But knowing that Christ lives in you and realizing realizing exactly what Christ really gave you, And as far as particulars, is how you get the power to actually do what he's commanding you to do. It's one thing to mentally ascend to the understanding that Jesus lives in me. It's a whole nother thing to really believe that Jesus is living in me right now with all his power, all the power to conquer flesh, all the power to conquer demons, all the power to conquer issues, all the power to conquer fear, all the power to conquer death, all the power, come on somebody. What's the problem? Believers go to church, but we really don't know who we have. We don't really believe it. Watch this, Colossians 3 and 4, this Zoe life. When Christ, before, before we even get to the second part, when Christ, who is our life. You see that? Christ is your life. Oh, so crucifying the flesh, killing the flesh, and walking in the Spirit comes with the proof that you have the Spirit, and the proof will be this quality of life, this Zoe life that you have inside of you. Life that comes from God because it is God. Amen. But the key really to understanding this is Galatians 5.24. Let's go back there. They that are Christ, Galatians 5.24, they that are Christ, what do we have the power to do? have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. They that are Christ, they that do belong to Christ. They that know they belong to Christ. They that are sure and understand that they belong to Christ. They have crucified the flesh with all the lust and its affections and its lust. Do I really know that I belong to Christ? Better question. How can I know? Because a lot's riding on this. Those that are in the Spirit and have the Spirit, they have an inheritance. Those that are not of the Spirit, do not possess the Spirit, they're going to hell. So it would be good for you to know. Not be at the party thinking everything's cool when the truth is, is you... (laughs) <laughs> I just came from service, but I'm just drunken and reveling. And somebody throw a drink in the mix and there I go. Oh, I didn't know what kind of place this was. You see what I'm saying? There are tests so you can know whether or not you belong to God, whether or not you belong to Christ, whether you're in the family of God. Go to Romans 8 chapter. Let's look at a few things. Romans 8 chapter. Romans 8, verses 5 through 8. All right, here we go. You ready? Hang on. For they that are after the flesh, 
do mine the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. No gray area. Real simple. What are you saying, Pastor? For they that are after the flesh constantly desire the things of the flesh. They that do mind the things of the flesh constantly make a pattern of being after the flesh. Those things, that they're after the flesh. Amen? But those that are after the Spirit constantly desire the things of the Spirit. They are of the Spirit. Are you seeing it? Now, Pastor, I don't constantly get drunk. I get smashed every other weekend, not every weekend. So I'm not constantly. (laughs) I'm not constantly drinking. Pastor, I don't constantly sleep around. I mean, who really does all that? I mean, come on. I don't constantly sleep around. I don't sleep around the whole year. All I do is every July around a certain time, I book a vacation for two weeks with me and my boo. And I go and go on a vacation with him. And I know I ain't supposed to be with him. I know we ain't married. But I don't constantly, I'm in church for the rest of the year, Pastor. That ain't what I do. It doesn't happen most of the year. I'm not constantly sinning. No, but you are displaying a pattern, a bent, amen, towards things that you do that, for whatever reason, don't bother the stew out of you. I'm not always drunk, but I get drunk. I'm not always sleeping around, but I get my creep on. Regularly, just not constantly. (laughs) Verse 6, Romans 8, verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. See these gray areas? You just just clear them out. Why? Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is hostile against God. It hates God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can it be. It don't like God. The carnal mind does not agree with God. It hates God. It's not subject to the law. It will not place itself under the law. Neither can it be. Are you hearing me? So then they that are of the flesh cannot please God. He's making it real simple to you. How do I know who I belong to. How do I know if I belong to God or not? Amen? Romans 8, skip down to the 13th verse. Same, same chapter. Romans 8, 13. For if ye live after the flesh, that's that word again, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify, that word means put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And then verse 14. So if I put to death my fleshly desires that are not from God, those things that I know God does not want me to do. If I find myself putting 
those things to death, then I know that I am of the Spirit. I will not be in death. I shall live. Verse 14 says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Anybody who has, a, who has the Spirit desires and aspires to be like Jesus. Anybody who does not, does not want to be like Jesus. Are you hearing me? There's no gray area. Amen. If you have the Spirit, you aspire to be like Christ. When you are doing things that you're not supposed to do, it bothers you. It, it, I feel something that's not, this ain't me. It's toxic. What, is, what spell is this? There's an intoxication, something that's going on with me, and it's not right. I don't, and this should not be some kind of frequent pattern. Are you hearing me? It should bother you. We don't set it up. We don't book the ticket for the two-week vacation. What are you getting ready to do? Sin. What are you doing? I'm putting my credit card out so I can what? Sin. Calling the travel agency. What are you getting ready to do? Where, go, where are y'all going? Sin. What date works good for you for us to sin? Somewhere along the line, they'd be like, wait a minute, what am I doing? I have the Spirit of Christ in me. This is bothering me. I don't just sit there and just premeditate this thing. Right? I don't just go like, okay, come on. Let's all come on. You and me, baby, let's go. No, that's not. That's not the Spirit of God. There's something wrong. He's saying, I want you to know, they that are Christ have crucified. They that are Christ, we don't set it up. You don't come over every other weekend and not, no, 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 no. Are you hearing me? Oh, it's nice and quiet in this church, just the way I like it. All right, Galatians 5.24, back to it. Here's the thing, saints. If you're led by the Spirit, then you are the sons of God. You are the children of God. If you are the child of God, then you act just like the Son of God. The Son of God aspires and desires to obey His Father. The sons of God. We aspire and desire to obey our Father. You see what I'm saying? My children are my children. They may not obey some other voice. Another voice they will not follow, but they should, being my children, obey their father. Now you're acting like sons. How do I know that I'm a child of God? Because I put on a St. John suit and a Kojic hat. And I got, you know, just the right heels to match. And I'm singing in the choir and I'm serving. And I, you know, I got my two-step down. And I'm, you know, I can put them up and put them down really fast, you know, because the choir gets hot and the organ gets hot and the, the, the preacher gets hot. And now I know, is that how I know I'm a son? No. You know how you're a son? Because when the father says, hey, come here, out of the crowd, somebody who's a son responds. Woo! They obey. Are you hearing me? Galatians 5.24. Come on. Come on. Let's wrap this up. And they, again, that are Christ, they that belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with the affections. The 
worldly desires and appetites and passions and feelings and lust. Amen. Paul is saying that there's only one way to crucify your flesh. He said, you have to belong to God. They that are not of Christ will not crucify their flesh. They that are of Christ will crucify. Those that belong to God will find themselves crucifying their flesh. The verb tense here is in the past. It indicates that something has already taken place. Something has happened. A decisive decision has been made. A decisive event has taken place. It actually occurred at our time of conversion. Of course, this decision to crucify your flesh is something that must be renewed on a continual basis. Amen? We must keep the flesh constantly in a place of death. What is that? What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that I am saved, Brother Pastor. Uh, the old me is definitely dead, Sister Johnson. What I'm saying is uh, I am saved and the old me is dead. But because I haven't left earth yet, and this ain't heaven yet, I'm not in the presence of the Lord just yet, I still carry this old dead man around. Because he ain't saved. <laughs> am I right, Brother David? Am I preaching right? Is this, is this good theology here? I'm saved, but the old me, you know, hey. He does not want to conform. He will not conform. He will not agree with God. I still carry this old dead man around everywhere I go. However... I have been given a gift. I have been given the Holy Spirit, which empowers me to crucify my flesh, crucify my old man. I carry around my spiritual hammer and my spiritual nails. And whenever that old man wants to rise up, I said, nope, not today. I'm going with Jesus. Every single time, everywhere I go, I don't do it perfectly. Huh? But my pattern, my bent, my supernatural bent is now towards Christ. I'm now saying, you know, now, now I may feel some things, but I don't have to give in to everything I feel. Yeah, Jesus even said, you know, if there's another way, Lord, let me know, but not my will, but thy will. Be done. What am I doing? I am being like Christ, the spirit of Christ. So because I desire to live like Christ, but I also know my old self, I carry around my spiritual hammer and I carry around my spiritual nails. Amen? And when the old me wants to rise up, I just nail that bad boy. <laughs> Not today. You hear me? They that belong will have the power through the Holy Spirit to do what God loves and hate what God hates. It's in them. It's not just something. It's the very life of Christ, the quality of Christ. Not just the duration, but the quality 
of Christ. I may mess up today. I will have to repent. In fact, can I be honest with you? I messed up this week. I'm not going to tell you what area. That's none of your business. Don't worry about it. It's not something you would be crazy about. Oh, Pastor, it ain't no big deal. But it was a mess up for me. Okay? I messed up. I slipped out of character. I lost it for a minute. Had a little flare-up. Little situation. And I said, what? After I came out, I had to ask the Lord, Lord, wait a minute. Forgive me of that because that's not the quality life that I'm supposed to live. That's not what you called me to do. So what do I do? Do I sit there and soak in it? No. I'm a child of God. I get up. Dust myself off. I repent to God. I say, I'm sorry. Give me the power to do it again. And what do I do? I nail that bad boy right back on that cross and keep it moving. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Galatians 5, 22. Someone said Galatians 5.22 is the shortest Zoe biography of Jesus Christ that has ever been written. If you want to know who Jesus is and what Jesus was like, there's, this verse pretty much sums it up. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faith, huh? temperance. Huh? You want to know who he was? There, there's his biography right there. Who was Jesus? Jesus is love. Jesus is peace. What did Jesus do? Oh, he was gentle. He was was completely self-controlled. Huh? That's the shortest biography. He's like one sentence could kind of pretty much sum up the characteristics, the character traits of Jesus Christ. That is who the Holy Spirit has given us. We have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. You have him right now if you believe. But if you find yourself not displaying these characteristics, you're in trouble. You hear me out there, screaming world? And I want you to know there are some preachers that will tell you the truth. You're in trouble. You don't have to stay there. But there's a warning. Amen? Now, Notice in Galatians 5.22, give me 5.22 real quick. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faith. Okay, watch this. But the fruit. Notice there's not an S there. Notice that's not fruits of the Spirit. Now, this is for us believers. This is a checkpoint for us. Okay? Watch this, saints. The Holy Spirit produces one kind of fruit that is Christ-likeness. All the virtues that are listed here describe the life of a child who has the Zoe Spirit-filled life of Jesus Christ. You are like Christ, but it is one singular fruit that encompasses all, encompasses rather, encompasses all the character traits of Jesus Christ. You get all of Jesus, not just parts of Jesus. You have him right now. Amen? What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying you can't have love The spirit or the fruit 
No S of the Spirit is love. You cannot have love but not have Jesus' patience. Impossible. Unless you've just decided to ignore him. Are you hearing me? Unless you just don't have him. Are you hearing me? You cannot have the love of God and not the patience of God. I love everybody. Pastor, I'm just one of the most loving persons. I'm telling you, I just love people, but I will hold a grudge on you till Jesus comes back. You'll never come out. I will never let you off the hook. I remember what you did to me. I won't forget what you did to me. I won't. (laughs) I will never forget it. I'll hold that grudge until Jesus comes back. Every time I see you, I just take your word. Mm. That old thing comes up. And I can't even sit down and have piece of chicken with you at the church. Just can't even do it. Can't even do it. I love people. I love folks, but I keep every record of wrong. (laughs) I love all the saints, but I have no long suffering. I have no patience for anybody. You hurt my feelings a long time ago, and I am through with people. You do it one time, that's it. Like Pastor Rick, you say, tick, tick, boom. Over it. You did it? Boom. I just blew up all over you. (laughs) It's over with. But I say I have the fruit of the Spirit. How can I have the fruit of the Spirit and not be long-suffering? This is a package deal, saints. Are you hearing me? I'm I'm a loving person. I have the love of God. But I like to get revenge. (laughs) <laughs> you did me I'm at home plotting I didn't figure it out I'm gonna know how, I know just, just how I'm gonna get you I'm gonna get you before Sunday I'm a loving person I have all the love in my heart for everybody but I have no joy every time you see me I'm the most miserable complaining so was I how you doing brother Jamie well you know Ain't nobody checking on me. Ain't things ain't working out good for me. I just wish the Lord would go ahead and bless me. I'm, you know, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Just miserable. God ain't done nothing for you. you rejoice in the Lord all the time. Well, not today. Cause <laughs> not last week, not last year. I ain't got nothing good to say about the Lord. I'm just... I'm trusting him, though, and I love people. (laughs) I love people, but I have no self-control. Keep an eye on me in church because you don't know what I'll steal. (laughs) As soon as you get happy, I'm looking all through your purse. But I love people. I have the fruit. Of the Spirit. (laughs) You can't cherry pick the fruit. You can't pick the parts of Jesus that you want and discard the rest. Well, I'm going to naturally be like, there's some people who are naturally nice people. They're just nice people. And you can't trust them. 
That don't mean they got the spirit of God. <laughs> you know, you just came from a nice family where nobody cursed nobody out. You ain't never seen none of that. Nice little Cosby family looking kind of situation. You know how it is. Everybody just got, every problem gets worked out. You just have no venom in you whatsoever. But you're a thief. <laughs> you cannot be trusted. You can't cherry pick the fruit that you want. You can't take, it's the fruit of the spirit, not the salad bar of the spirit. You don't, are you hearing what I'm saying? If we have the Holy Spirit, then we have all of the quality life of Jesus Christ in us right now. Now, Paul wants to warn us about a few more things and I'll be out of your way. Last verse, 26. See if we can clear this out. I think we can. We got a little time? Get a little time? We good? All right. Yes. Now Paul wants us to, wants to warn the Galatians, because this is where this is happening. He wants to warn the Galatians churches, churches of three subtle things to watch out for. There's some obvious things. There's some subtle things that we don't always look out for, okay? That could ruin the unity that do not reflect the Spirit of God. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another envying one another. Amen? Desires of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Desires of vainglory is the Jews and the Gentiles, as I told you before, they were in one church, in the same church, trying to get along, um, but the Jews were wanting everyone to know that they were superior. Okay? Listen, we've had the law all this time. We are more superior than you. And we know we're talking about vainglory. They consider themselves to kind of like be the older brothers of the church. Okay? One, you know, if you're going to listen to anybody, listen to us because we've been with Jesus the longest. Okay? One thing that can take place in a seasoned believer when you've been walking with God a lot of times is you can become one arrogant, conceited church member. You really can. Nobody can teach you nothing. You know, your seniority comes with this attitude of, you know, where you're above everybody. I have dealt with this in my own preaching career. People came to church to kind of tell you, you know, they saw that I was young and they saw that I was green and everybody had a word for me. (laughs) Everybody was like, well, the pastor, we need to do it this way. And I I knew I was going to make my mistakes. I told them in the beginning, I'm going to make some mistakes. I got thrown up in here. You know, it's going to be a little rough for a minute. We're going to figure it out. If we just keep going, it's going to be all right. God will turn some things around. But everybody came with a word. Everybody came with a rebuke. Everybody came with, and, and, and here's the thing. They could tell me how to correct me, but I could never say anything to them. What was it about? Vain glory. I want you to see me a certain way. You feel me? That's what that really means. Then last, uh, provoking one another. Long-suffering is something that every believer should have. But let's not test people. Right? Long-suffering is necessary, but we don't want to intentionally provoke people to anger. Last one, envying one another. Some folks in the church are in the church because they seek um, recognition. And if you recognize one person you know, over here, and you didn't recognize them. Then they have an issue with you. These things are subtle things. Paul is packing it in so he can say, so he can show us, listen, there are some things that are of the Spirit or some things that are not of the Spirit. Some things are very obvious, 
Some things that are very subtle. But how do you know that you belong to God? When the Holy Spirit, even if it's not on your radar, he'll check you. You ever feel that? I don't know what it is, but I did something. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm probably not going go to go to sleep well tonight. Because the Lord is going to be dealing with me about what I said and what I did and how I was thinking. If you have the Holy Spirit, if you are Christ, you will crucify your flesh. You will be able by the power of God to nail your old self to the wall and walk with Jesus. If you are not, if you do not see the display of the Holy Spirit or even a desire to do it, if you have a pattern, a bent towards sin, then I want you to know that today is a day to repent. Today is a day to go to God, for real, for real. And say, you know what? I've been in church, but I don't know you. I don't have your power. I'm not living the way you want me to live. I don't even want to. But I recognize that I need to. And that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God all through the Bible talks about no matter how great your sin is, God will forgive you. He will forgive. Stop faking the funk. These people don't have a hell or heaven to put you into. Don't you be tripping off an embarrassment. Come to Jesus. Get saved. Get delivered. Get some power. You got to carry that old man, but he ain't got to run you. Amen? I'm done. Killing your flesh. I'm done. Amen. <laughs> 